Welcome to the Fiber for Breakfast podcast, a series that discusses fiber as the critical infrastructure for today's growing broadband needs. Listen in as Gary Bolton, CEO and President of the Fiber Broadband Association, speaks with industry thought leaders and experts about connectivity issues and the impact on the remote workplace. I hope you enjoy today's discussion, which will start momentarily. And remember, subscribe and like this podcast on your favorite platform. This week's Fiber for Breakfast brought to you by our platinum sponsor, Wesco. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Fiber Broadband Association's Fiber for Breakfast. We're now on our 46th episode of 2023. But before we kick off, I'd like to thank Wesco, the platinum sponsor of Fiber Breakfast, and our gold sponsor, Network Connects. I'd also like to thank Cubitech, the sponsor of our Quantum Series. You know, the Fiber Broadband Association held its DC fly-in yesterday, and we met with about nine offices on the House and at the Senate. And yesterday, the House passed a stopgap funding bill to avoid the government shutdown on Friday. So that's good news, uh, as long as this bill is now at the Senate and gets through the Senate and the President. Our meetings with Congress focused on providing support for the NTIB program, uh, funding the Affordability Connectivity Program, ACP, permitting, workforce development, and on some of the oversight hearings coming up. We also came away very encouraged on Congress' support of fiber for our nation's critical infrastructure. You know, on Friday, the Washington Post had a great article by Janice K. Chen titled, Pigeons are sometimes faster than your internet. It's a bit of a dig on the FCC's proposal to update, to update the minimum broadband speeds to 100 by 20. You know, if your community gets stuck with a 20 megabits upload speed, you better get yourself some carrier pigeons as they'll be faster. Um, I posted that article in the chat if anybody's interested. You know, as we look forward to 2024, we've had an overwhelming positive response to our schedule for our regional FiberConnect workshops roadshow show tour planned for next year. We'll be in Richmond on February 8th, in Little Rock on April 16th, in Park City at Deer Valley on June 4th, Des Moines on September 10th, Albuquerque, New Mexico on November 7th, and of course our big world's largest fiber broadband conference that will be in Nashville on July 28th to 31st. Also, please join me this morning right after this at 11 a.m. Eastern for our next episode of Where's the Funding sponsored by Broadband.Money. Today's topic will be navigating tribal matching funds uh, with Joe Valdranda, uh, CEO and Chairman of Tribal Ready, and Jennifer Weedle, the co-chair of the Greenberg Trig American Indian Law Practice. I think you're going to find some amazing opportunities with tribal matching funds. Um, so please join us for that at 11. And the Fiber Broadband Association's wrapping up its inaugural 2023 fiber deployment cost uh, study survey. And if you're interested in participating in the survey, please, um, you know, the links here in the chat, as well as on the screen. That brings us to today's Fire for Breakfast session with Marta Mori, the research manager of the Quantum AI team uh, at Zapata AI, who's going to be discussing quantum technology, near-term use case studies, and catapulting AI competitive. This is the third episode in our quantum series, and I'm extremely excited to hear what Marta has to say about quantum and generative AI. 
And last week on Fire for Breakfast, we had the pleasure of hearing from my former boss from 30 years ago, and industry pundit Paul Connolly, a telecom and network practice leader at Entropy, who shared with us his views on competitive broadband in the multi-gig world. Don't count cable out. You know, Paul outlined why the three largest cable companies with huge installed base of DOCSIS hyperfiber coax networks plan to roll out DOCSIS 4.0 and what that means to the fiber industry. Today on Fire for Breakfast, it's our third episode of our quantum series, and our guest is Marta Mori, the research manager on the quantum AI team at Zapata AI, who's going to be discussing quantum technology, near-term use cases, catapulting AI competitive. Uh, Mar Marta Mori is, has a master's in physics and is a research manager at the quantum AI team at Zapata AI. She spent over four years working at the intersection of quantum physics and artificial intelligence, focusing on advancing quantum generative model research towards practical quantum advantage. At Zapata AI, Marta has contributed to the development of the quantum machine learning proprietary software libraries, implementing different research projects, supervisor, supervised several interns, and has oversaw research activity of teams. So welcome, Marta. And for our team, please type in the questions as you go and work them in the Q&A at the end. With that, let's get things started. I'll turn it over to Marta. Well, thank you very much for the introduction. I'm very excited to be here today and to talk a little bit about how quantum technology can be injected into the AI world, which today is quite a hot topic. Um, so uh, with these, I, I will start uh, maybe introducing a little bit uh, what Zapata AI does, because I don't know how many people in the audience are um, familiar with the, with the, with the company, uh, and then describe a little bit of our journey into um, quantum enhanced generative AI, and then describe a little bit of a use case that can illustrate a little bit why this is promising and what can we obtain already as good results right now. The, first of all, as I said, let me start with uh, explaining a little bit who we are. Uh, and this is just a very short statement of what the purpose of the company is, which is to solve enterprises' most computationally complex problems by harnessing the power of generative AI, quantum, and other big compute. So basically, the, the mission here is just um, developing and advancing um, technology strategies that involve generative AI, quantum, or other complex um, advanced technology to address complex problems that enterprises enterprises have. And this is this goes across different industries. Um, and maybe in the next slide, this uh, will be more a little bit more clear in terms of more details of what we do. So. Um, Zapata uh, spun out of Harvard in 2017, and these, um, it came out of this lab uh, at Harvard University that was the first lab that developed um, an algorithm for near-term quantum computers. So uh, the origin of the company is uh, deeply rooted in quantum expertise. Um, and so like we had six co-founders who came out of this lab and decided to venture into the industry world um, to really bring the quantum technology at service of um, like practical use cases and then again like out of the lab. And what we uh, offer today as a company is this generative AI offering, um, which is basically all of these, as I mentioned before, industrial solutions for um, 
uh, enterprises across different industry that utilize generative AI and quantum computing. Um, and the, uh, the idea, like we have different offerings, especially for um, processing text and uh, numerics and you know, these uh, large language models are quite pro uh, popular these days. Uh, and then we have this uh, orchestra platform where you can actually build, train, fine tune, deploy all of your applications and technologies. And we have customers across different industries, as I said, that have already leveraged these uh, techniques. Uh, and of course, this is possible with integrations uh, with the AI and the quantum computing ecosystems, like all these partners for the ability of using clouds, GPUs, uh, quantum devices on the cloud and all of that. Um, but uh, next slide uh, explains a little bit better uh, what um, type of case studies we have um, addressed with these uh, customers uh, so far. Because this is, uh, I think this is quite interesting to show like what are the opportunities of quantum and uh, generative AI for again like different uh, camps of applications. Uh, so we we did this. Um, uh, work with uh, BASF, the uh, largest chemical company, uh, to utilize generative AI and machine learning for materials discovery, for example. Um, then we had projects with uh, BMW and other another um, food and beverage company, where the focus was optimization of um, like scheduling problems. Uh, so the manufacturing plant scheduling in the case of BMW. Uh, delivery operations for the food and beverage company. Uh, and these is, again, generative AI and optimization techniques uh, come into play quite a lot in here. Um, and then, as you, say, as you see here, it's a very broad portfolio of applications. So there is also something in finance with BBVA, which is this European uh, financial institution and bank where you can use uh, quantum techniques for risk optimization. When you, when you do derivative pricing. And then we also have two contracts, uh, two defense contracts with uh, DARPA. They're more, more focused on benchmarking the utility of quantum computing um, in the near and long term as well. So it's a very like broad um, area of applications. And um, what, I, what I want to um, explain right, uh, in the next slide and show you a little bit is what is the connection between the quantum origin that, that we have and the actual uh, use cases that we have been working on. How do we get there? These, this shows uh, a little bit of our journey as a company in uh, the generative AI uh, world uh, with a quantum flavor. Uh, so the, um, what I would say here is that before this year, when, I, when we had to present uh, what we were doing, uh, we had to explain what generative modeling, which was like the non, a popular name of generative AI was, because uh, not not many people were familiar with that. Today, it's I mean, generative AI is so popular, and everyone has seen uh, the potential of it and what it actually means. So that part is you know that motivational part is not uh, needed anymore. Uh, but at the beginning, like our our uh, idea was, um, if we want to use quantum computing to be able to provide any value, that's like you know, beyond the capabilities of classical computers, we need to identify which areas um, are um, challenging, which types of problems and applications are challenging for classical devices. And generative modeling, so this idea of generating new data 
that is similar to training to the training set where you want to kind of um, your, you want your model to learn an underlying set of patterns among your data and then in an implicit way and then be able to like resemble those data this is quite a challenging task for uh, classical computers and so what we thought is if this is the difficult task then this is where we should try to introduce some more like um, more expressible um, let's say component which is what what is introduced uh, by the quantum uh, part of it um, so that was the, our motivation since the beginning so we had this uh, quantum generative AI IP filing uh, the first one was in 2019 and then we started studying like okay what happens if um, we we have a generative model that's classical we have a generative model that it's it's its quantum counterpart that the intuition behind this is this model will be able to encode correlations or in a better way or like encode correlations that classical computers cannot uh, encode so what what happens if we compare this and this was done on a very like uh, lab um, toy problem let's say uh, in 2019 so with this first milestone of the um, uh, quantum heuristic for generative modeling uh, but it was promising so that was a you know a good uh, indicator that that was an interesting uh, road to pursue and to walk and so um, moving a little bit uh, forward in time in 2020 um, what we did it was to okay like can we utilize this type of hybrid quantum and uh, generative modeling classical generative modeling techniques um, successfully for tasks that are um, good benchmarks that people are using right now in, in generative modeling. And so the, one of the most popular benchmarks is the generation of handwritten digits from the MNIST dataset, um, which again is like a, uh, studying the capability of models to generate images basically. And this is the, the data set that people use as the first first test and benchmark. And so we, what we did here was, okay, like usually people here use uh, just a, those generative adversarial networks, which are, I guess, like first generation generative AI models, let's say. Um, and those those are completely classical. So what, but they're made up by different components. Um, the one, one that generates data, one that is helpful for the training and, you know, many different uh, technical flavors to this but basically what we can what we decided to do is what happens if we introduce uh, a small quantum component in this are we able to like successfully still generate um, uh, high resolution images and this wasn't um, possible before this work that we have done like, it wasn't done successfully and we were able to do so meaning that using like combination of classical techniques and quantum techniques does seem to provide promising results and it's a good strategy because if we want to scale up to large models you have uh, to start uh, to, you you kind of have at this stage of the quantum technology maturity to combine it with classical so it was really uh, really good results to to obtain and to be able to see okay like we can kind of enhance classical with quantum and like these things work well together uh, and then another idea that we had in 2020 uh, still was this um, point called generator enhanced optimization. So basically, since you were, um, this was actually quite a new novel idea, which is we can, um, many of the problems that our customers come in and have are optimization problems and usually like complex optimization problems. So um, how do you um, 
use generative AI techniques for optimization. And that was the uh, the idea. Like just the idea of connecting these two worlds was something really novel. And uh, the rationale behind it is that you can um, use these data generators not only to generate nice images or videos or text as we're doing today, but actually to generate new candidate solutions to an optimization problem, which is of practical relevance. And what happens if you do that uh, instead of just using classical like state-of-the-art techniques, what we saw is that that could actually help exploring better the space of the solutions and so get getting to better solutions. And we explored this for the portfolio optimization, uh, a portfolio optimization problem. And then the very last one that you see at the very end, uh, it's uh, the 2023 milestone with this like histogram is uh, the problem that I was telling before the project with BMW related to plant uh, plant manufacturing optimization. So that's uh, that's a connection between your generative AI optimization for a uh, practical use case and the generative modeling that you use, the generative AI techniques that you use within the context of optimization can be classical, quantum-inspired, quantum-enhanced, fully quantum, like all of that. So it's a, it's a very uh, practically relevant area for exploration. And then the, uh, there are others, uh, things that we explored because one of the um, big challenges uh, is since these generative models, generative AI techniques are, uh, you know, they they're allow us to generate new data, these data are quite different. Um, they can be text, they can be images, they can be, uh, you know, bit strings or uh, really different formats. Um, and it's been it's a, an ongoing challenge uh, to understand exactly how to evaluate the performance of these models and how to compare. You know, if you have different options, if you want to use fully classical computer, a fully quantum, uh, sorry, fully classical AI, a fully quantum AI, how do you actually compare the results in the end? So we did a whole. Um, line of research on how uh, how to evaluate the generalization capabilities of these models. So the ability of generate to generate new data that it's a valuable, valuable data and it's a solution to us, a certain problem, which was quite important for us and um, really gave us a framework to compare different models. And then like while doing this comparison, we also thought, okay, it's um, the usual paradigm that people use to to uh, address quantum AI is to consider um, the, um, you know, two adversaries, two, two worlds like competing against each other. So at a certain point we realized maybe this is not the right way to see, um, to see it. It's not a fight you know, between classical and uh, quantum, but it's it's better to see it in a synergistic way. And this is the work like at, at the top here in 2021, synergy between quantum circuit and tensor networks. That's the idea. Like the idea is instead of you know separating quantum and classical and making them compete against each other, why let's try to squeeze everything that we can out of a classical algorithm or a quantum inspired algorithm and then see if um, we can go beyond that using the quantum after that. And this is also motivated by the scarcity and the limitations that we have on quantum resources today. Uh, so all of these paths like uh, show like how do you combine kind of quantum with like generative AI? How do you scale up? How do you um, connect these two worlds? And this is a journey that we have been doing for quite a few years at this point. And some of the um, examples at the end, um, the, the one that's um, highlighted in the 
um, in the green box is what I want to show you a little bit uh, in the next slide, which is how do you actually provide any value to a practical use case using quantum, um, quantum enhanced generative models. So here the problem um, would be um, the generation of chemicals uh, that have desirable properties when you're looking for a drug, a drug, a new drug. So the challenge in the in the field here is that drug development is quite um, complicated in the sense that um, it's time consuming, it's resource consuming, and it has a very low probability of success. And that's because like you have to come up with new new molecules, synthesize them, test them, um, and and really you you don't have very good um, ways to synthesize molecules. I mean there are obviously criteria for for this, but if you have like to put something and create it and test it, it's it's just like very expensive, like in terms of resources and time. Um, and uh, as like just data here are that uh, it takes usually about 10 years for a new medicine to be created from the initial discovery to the marketplace. So this is again the first um, realization. Like it's a complex problem. Uh, maybe this data generation can be uh, enhanced if we use uh, generative AI and especially like quantum enhanced generative AI to do that. With the goal here being uh, we want to train our models to generate something that's more valuable than what you would generate with a classical models, meaning that's more like where, where you increase the, uh, you have more um, desirable chemical properties such as like the drug likeness, solubility, synthesizability and stuff like that. So what we did here is uh, you see here in the um, in the diagram there are certain green uh, highlighted components. What we tried to do was to swap those components that are components of a classical AI that's that was um, developed uh, for molecule generation specifically. Try to swap those components with a uh, quantum and class or classical component, as I said. So then the idea is if we do different combinations and we do hybrid models, do we get anything good or not? And what we observed is that actually the um, classic, um, the hybrid uh, classical quantum component was able to outperform the purely classical generative models in, in generating small molecules with more pharmaceutical value compared to the completely classical one. And this is really promising, like this is, is you know, something that we already have today and uh, it's applied on a specific case for uh, certain specific molecules, but it can be, you know, extended to other other chemicals uh, that can be useful for like batteries or like materials, uh, new materials and stuff like that. So this is really already uh, providing value and there is a lot to discover still, but uh, I just wanted to show an example of like, okay, you can use quantum in combination with AI today and already see some good results. So. Yeah, that's. I think that's all that I have, and thank you for uh, listening. And happy to get any question after this. Well, Marta, this is absolutely fascinating. I mean, just when you think about what we're on the cusp of being able to do, you know, being able to combine a hybrid classical computing and quantum computing to really solve some of these huge, hairy issues. I mean, you think about almost every American's gonna end up with some kind of Alzheimer's or dementia and stuff like that. And if we're not able to attack this, being able to leverage quantum computing and this whole um, generative AI, I mean, I think just, uh, you know, you mentioned drugs. Um, when I think of 
quantum computing, I think those are the, the, the things that it solves best is anything that is like trial and error, right? When you think of drug development, it's all those trial and error or developing the next generation batteries, right? Trial and error. And these, is that what where, where we should apply um, quantum computing? I think uh, that's what um, all of the, the applications that require uh, data generation, I think, like where there's a complex correlations or complex interactions between the components that you're trying to model, uh, quantum computing has um, an opportunity to provide value in there. Uh, now, I think uh, the question is, it's, uh, it's quite complex when you try to actually then address it on a practical perspective because there's uh, there's a lot to figure out. Like even for you know um, encoding a problem in a way that's amenable for quantum computers and actually really finding um, ways to like there are intuitions as to why quantum computers are useful, but there's only a few uh, um, demonstrations of real real like, exponential mathematical advantage of, of it. So each use case, it's a new, you know, new world that that is opened up, and you kind of have to, like, kind of fine tune uh, the strategy. And and with the little devices that we have, there are also other limitations that kind of make make it a little difficult to like really see and unlock the whole potential. But I think like all the problems that have these um, complex interactions, and and so usually like it's hard to model and so you end up doing trial and error because it's hard to like have a mathematical model of it. Like quantum has a right. definitely potential here to provide some kind of value. Yeah, like think about like batteries, you know, if we're really gonna get to EVs and be able to get batteries where they have super long um, durations, you know, you can drive hundreds and hundreds of miles and be able to charge quick and things like that. I mean, these are all trial and error, right? And we're, we've been doing the same process for over a hundred years on battery development. So I think you know, if we can be able to apply, um, you know, generative um, AI and um, quantum computing towards solving the battery issue, I mean, that's the holy grail of EVs and just being able to get off fossil fuels. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, when I think about um, the mapping the human genome, you know, being able to get that so that everybody can have their genome mapped and be able to get to precision nutrition so that we can eliminate having to take all these drugs and be able to eat the right foods to be able to stay healthy and be able to have longevity in our lives. Um, and so tell me about you know, fiber. So the fact that we're gonna have fiber to every house, every home, every business across the nation gives us access to things like Chattanooga where they have a quantum network and access to cloud-based quantum computing. So having startups like yourself, having access to cloud-based quantum computing, how big is that to really accelerate this whole quantum world? I think like, I mean, availability uh, of access to quantum computers like at a large scale is uh, quite important today. This is one of the things that I think it's uh, kind of um, challenging because every time you have a, like there's very few, you know, uh, providers that like, give access to quantum computers uh, and it's quite costly to to test out algorithm there. So big bigger asset, like you know, easier access to that would definitely um, speed up like ideas and testings and benchmarks. And so that would be definitely definitely big. And then also like I think like would uh, just like even popularize this a little bit more, and people can get their hands dirty as well. That that would be really interesting because sometimes people that come 
uh, from outside the industry, they think like kind of out of the box, right? And so they can sometimes like add a little bit of entropy and to the world, and that that is really useful to like push uh, push the development as well. So one of the questions came in um, is is quantum computing accelerating our realization of the infinite monkey theorem? That I'm not familiar with that. Uh, yeah, me either. So, <laughs> um, well, anyway, I mean, I think this is absolutely amazing of what we're on the cusp and what Sapita and others are doing to really accelerate our quantum future. And this quantum future only happens if we're able to get this fiber infrastructure to everybody. Um, and so I'm just, I mean, I think in the next few years, I mean, let me know if you agree that there's going to be huge breakthroughs in uh, generative AI and quantum computing as we move forward. Yes, that that definitely is something very hot right now, and I'm very much looking forward to seeing what uh, you know companies, researchers, anyone really come up with to advance the the development of these for all these use cases that are kind of um, super important for the entire like humanity, I would say. So, well, I mean, I certainly want to solve some of these diseases, like you know, anything to do with dementia and you know the things that our um, elderly are suffering with. And obviously, we're all getting closer to that. So, let's get this research done so we can really change people's lives. So, thank you, Marta, for sharing your knowledge and insight of quantum generative AI and your research. This is absolutely fascinating. Thank you um, for an extremely exciting time for as quantum technology and generative AI applications are becoming a reality. And thanks again for joining us today. I look forward to getting back together next Wednesday. Our guest is Jeff Wabick, the CTO of DC Blocks, who's going to be discussing fiber and digital infrastructure growth in the Southeast US, a real life story. You won't want to meet, miss that. And join me here in a, about 30 minutes on where's the funding we're going to be talking about the tribal broadband match. It's, I think you're going to find some really interesting solutions. So thanks, Martin, again. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you guys next Wednesday.